0: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six
1: on 630 Chad. Well, how can we put this? The return of the NHL season. I guess we call it a definite maybe, but inching along towards finishing the 1920 season. Now we expect to hear something from the NHL and the return to play committee maybe next week maybe later next week about how they might plan to finish the season a lot over the weekend about two hub cities not four two hub cities that could host 12 teams each to finish the regular season just with those teams so they'd exclude the uh, bottom seven teams in the nhl and then get into a postseason and of course edmonton the oilers pushing to host games today mayor don Iveson issued a letter to Gary Bettman saying that the city supports Edmonton and the Oilers Entertainment Group hosting games at Rogers Place and teams at the downtown community arena and at a, at a hotel or hotels downtown. So this is a step I think we do was coming. I mean, look, I would think any NHL team that is interested at some point – is going to get a letter from their mayor, premier, governor, or somebody of the like to show some support, but Iveson has stepped up and done it today. Tim Shipton with the Oilers Entertainment Group on why Edmonton would be a good spot for a hub. We are one of the safest jurisdictions as it relates to uh, overall COVID numbers. We've got significant capacity and response within the public health system. We have world-class facilities at Rogers Place. Not only our two sheets of ice, but the ice district, the JW Marriott, our training facilities and archetype. Uh, We could, uh, in fact, uh, find dedicated space, dedicated dressing room space, training space, off-ice, workout space uh, for all 12 teams if Edmonton were selected. So we really feel that uh, every box and every piece of criteria that the NHL has laid out uh We check that uh, with a with a big uh, check mark, and we feel that we're at the top of the list so a lot of things we've been hearing about why Edmonton would be a candidate. you got the new rink, you have the facilities and the lodging nearby, and uh, you, you have a, a region where certainly relative to a lot of places in North America and a lot of other NHL cities. The COVID-19 numbers have been quite low, as I'm sure you've you've heard today on the news, uh, more positive trends here in Edmonton as we go along with that. So we'll talk about that tonight. Your feedback is welcome. 780-496-0063 is the number to both call and text. Damon Allen is going to join us between 730 and 8, former Eskimos quarterback, 23 years in the CFL, one of the all-time greats in the Canadian Football League. He'll be on between 7.30 and 8, but we will kick it off tonight with former NHL goaltender, current broadcaster Kelly Rudy on the line. Kelly, hope you had a good long weekend, man. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, we did. We got out a little bit. My wife and I went on a couple of walks and uh, also a nice bike ride. And uh, although we're still doing the right thing, Reed, we, uh I don't want to panic anybody. I mean, everybody in Alberta knows how hard-hit Calgary in the region has been. So we're still social uh, distancing and making sure that even on the, the bike paths that we weren't near uh, many people at all and tried to keep our distance. But it was still really great to get out and get some fresh air and uh, just in a wonderful, beautiful city, I loved it.
1: Well, how how's the psyche and the reaction down there? Because the announcement was that the province could go into phase one, but Calgary and Brooks were placed on a different timeline.
0: Well, I can't speak for everybody, but I was uh, glad that uh, we stayed locked down because uh, our city's not ready. I mean, uh, if you followed the news, you can see how badly we've been affected by this. And uh, I don't think we were ready. Uh, there were some, uh, I know, tours that we're friends with and so on, and they were hoping that uh, they weren't going to be able uh open, even though uh, they you know, they had to bring in some extra food and all that kind of stuff. But it, it just wasn't the right thing for us to do. We, we needed to make sure that we're still trying to flatten this curve. And so I'm really proud of uh, our government here in, in uh, Calgary and the people because uh, I think most people recognize that it, it just wasn't right for us to do it yet. But we're close.
1: Now, when you go on a bike ride, are you closer to Lance Armstrong or Pee Wee Herman?
0: (laughs) Well, what happens if Pee Wee Herman would have cheated? (laughs) What kind of athlete (laughs) would he have been? (laughs) <laughs> right, we don't know that, so we're we're unsure in that in that category. But that was very fun.
1: <laughs> all right, Kelly Rudy. I,
0: I, I, but I grew up biking, right, Reed? Like I I loved it for years and years and years. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but my brother and I, for years, we went into the Rocky Mountains and surrounding areas and did some uh, hiking, mountain biking, and all that. So that's one of my favorite things to do: just get on a mountain bike and go for a blast.
1: Oh, I didn't know that that you, that you did. Like, would you do pretty challenging? Oh yeah, like the the trails in the mountains and all that kind of stuff,
0: the rugged the stuff. Most, oh yeah, most challenging. We would try and get uh, at least uh, twelve hundred feet vertical gain every single day, and uh, whether uh, and of course you can't do that all on a bike, but you can bike out. So there, uh, every single mountain biking trail in the mountains we've done, uh, and we've been on. Boy, I'm gonna say. I'd say about eighty to eighty-five percent of all the um, uh, hiking trails in the uh, three national parks closest to us—Banff, Jasper, and Yoho—and some in Kootenay. Not all, not as many in Kootenay, but a bunch there still.
1: All right, let's talk about uh, the news of the day and also something uh, surrounding the Oilers from uh, from Friday. As well, Qu- quickly, Luke texts in. He says, "Hey, Reed. Does Northland still have a rink to use? Should Edmonton be a host NHL site? No, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be on the agenda. But it, it would all be uh, it would all be downtown for sure. So, Kelly, I mean, look, we we know the the advantages of Edmonton pop possibly hosting. There's other cities yep. in the mix. Certainly Vegas because of the hotel space and its proximity to the rink is I, I think is pretty high on, on the list as well. The the 24 team format. Uh, It appears they would prefer not to eliminate teams based on the current standings. So there'd probably be, by the sounds of it, some sort of a finish to the uh, regular season. So, uh, you know, a a team on the bubble might have a shot. And then even you could argue a team like Edmonton. Do they deserve a few games to try to catch Vegas or or teams in that situation?
0: Well, first of all, This was the idea, the concept that grabbed my attention the most, about a 24-team uh, event and uh, how, it, uh, how it breaks down, how they decide to go, move forward. Uh, I'm good with, I'm going to live with any anything that they come up with, but I think that's one that makes the most sense because uh, uh, there are all 31 teams really need to play, but uh, the 24 best, I'm really excited about it. I was talking to one of my producers in uh, Toronto today about how it might look for us and uh, and or the league like what would you have three games a day kind of like how we broadcast for olympics something along those lines so it can definitely be done uh but attitude is the most important thing i think for the players association and everybody else surrounding it uh just trying to uh you know embrace this whole thing because it's so unique and it'll hopefully never happen again, but we're, they're going to have to ask a lot of the players with uh, going to these hub cities. And it's a lot to ask when uh, they have young families and so on, but it's still the right thing to do.
1: Well, if, and when we get to the post season, does it have to be four, seven round series? Uh, Crosby said he preferred that way. Matt Duchesne said, you know, if it's not that way, it's a COVID cop, not a Stanley cup i mean you went through the grind of the play though i know when you came into the league the first round was best of five yeah but certainly right. you went through the grind of four best of seven series went all the way to the cup final yeah. in 93 does it have to be that way
0: no i don't think it does i think everybody would prefer it best of seven but you know even going back even further uh in the 70s uh, it was best two out of three and so uh that's not ideal but Uh, based on when this can happen and the time restrictions that they'll have uh you know it may not seem fair to some people and especially if your team loses but i think uh two out of three gets you a start and certainly three out of five is even better um like i said it's not ideal but uh, i I just don't know when this is going to Happen. So if it it leaks into August or September, you, you're pretty limited in time because I'm pretty certain the NHL wants to start back up again for the following season and uh, not much later than late November or December. So they've got to be pretty creative and everybody has to accept it and no sour grapes.
1: Yeah, and you're right. I mean, it's their preference to get a full next season in, uh, in, in, yeah. in as well. So, yeah, I mean, to me... I mean, like I said, there's been so many different formats. We got to accept it's it's different times. The timing is interesting. I mean, the one thing I get and, and like it's exciting when news comes out like this today, and Mary Iverson actually releases the letter, and we actually get a comment from OEG because they've been careful about what yeah. they've said so far. I still I, I still hesitate to. And of all the things I make predictions on. I'm not comfortable making a prediction on this one. Who's going to win a game or a Super Bowl or whatever is one thing. But I I still look at it and I think, okay, the NHL is probably a week to 10 days from announcing their plan, which would still have to be approved. And then they got to get players back and they probably have to quarantine or isolate. And then they want... I mean, they've set a three-week training camp. Maybe they don't get that in. So even when players might start collecting somewhere, you could still be a month away from actually starting the games in that hub place.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not as tied to that time timeline as some other people. I mean, uh, I think ideally the players after the quarantine and all that kind of stuff, ideally, I think three weeks to get, close to uh back to somewhat normal is, seems reasonable but i think you can do it quicker and and i have uh an, an example of that so in 92 um we had a short 10-day uh strike and we we're back i think playing within a couple days which kind of makes sense but in 94 when we were locked out uh, most of us thought that there was no hope for the season and so we weren't training we weren't skating we weren't doing much Gretzky took a bunch of us on uh, a European trip, but, you know, that was more a party. We had some good games. We had some fun, but it was more just hanging out and drinking some beer and wine. And then uh, and then when the lockout ended in late January, if I'm not mistaken, Reid, we only had oh like three, four days or five days to a mini training camp, of which it was, uh, I think, only four or five days, and I missed the first two days because i was without a contract and i was not coming to practice without a contract so my point being under a stressful situation maybe again not ideal you can make it happen quicker than what i think some people are saying now again it's not ideal and i i don't know if i would be even close to in the majority with that uh thinking but you can do it these these guys are the best they're the best elite athletes you know, I don't know if they really need three weeks.
1: Kelly, Rudy joining us on Inside Sports, former NHL goaltender, now a broadcaster with the NHL on Rogers. Okay, and, and by the way, uh, we'll keep talking about this, but everybody, you can get more on the on the story, some of the comments from OEG. You can see the letter Iverson wrote on 630 com or globalnews.ca. Alish Hemsky retired. Now, he hasn't played for about two and a half years, but he made it official. About 80% of his career... With the Oilers, a couple seasons of over seventy points. Uh, unfortunately, later in his Oilers tenure, Kelly he obviously played on some some really poor teams, and I wouldn't say he was he was the reason that they were poor, but he was uh, stuck on some on some pretty lousy squads. Obviously, but how do you look back on uh, on Alex Hemsky and some of the things he could bring?
0: You know what? Um, I actually looked at his hockey DB because uh, when you said we're going to have a little chat about him, I thought, okay, I want to see if his his numbers. Measure up to what my feelings were, and uh, I was certain that he had way more points than he finished with. Uh, I think uh just over 500 points in 800 and I think 45 games, which for most players was remarkable and would be great. But uh, I always thought he was like unbelievable, and and that's my memory of him. I, I just love those battles he had against Robin Regeer in the Battle of Alberta. And, you know, it seemed like every single night those two guys really went at it. And then it surprised me when I looked at his numbers and some of those years, you know, he didn't score as many goals as I thought. I thought he was lighting it up all the time because for me, he was one of the, my favorite players to watch. He, he was so talented and, you know, did a lot of things, great skater and so on. So, you know, my point is he had a great career. He should be awfully proud of himself. But to me, I thought he was like a... I don't know, 800-point guy over the course of his season, but I was incorrect.
1: I got this quote from Craig McTavish on Friday. There wasn't a more important player for me during my whole tenure as coach of the Oilers than Alish. He might not be alone at the top, but I don't see anyone above him. He didn't always like the day-to-day rigors of playing an 82-game schedule, but when the game was on the line, he was at his best. Great player that made a huge impact on our team. I mean, Mac T worked that in in there about... uh, Hemsky not always liking the day-to-day rigors of the 82-game schedule. Uh, I know that kind of... Now, the the first year I started doing the games and covering all the practices was Hemsky's last year, but he already carried that reputation of maybe you know not enjoying the practice or, or, or putting in the extra work. Did, did that ever hang over a player that, that you played with or that was in the league at your time, that he just wasn't an overly engaged practice guy?
0: Well... Uh yes and i'm going to choose not to mention his name but, <laughs> okay. but i'll tell you that he had a similar qualities to hemsky and and i knew this uh, when i was a broadcaster and somebody in the oilers organization sort of told me the same sort of thing as matt t said about you know day to day and he wasn't always like the curious guy and you'd he, have to some you know somehow convince him that it's a good day to play hockey and so on So, yes, I had a player like that, and uh, uh, it drove me crazy because I'm usually a really positive, upbeat kind of guy. And so, uh, and I'm not even going to reveal the city because he was a really good player. (laughs) But I would come to the rink in the morning with my big cup of coffee, excited about the game and the practice and so on. And he would be sitting in his stall, as grumpy as ever. And I'd go sit beside him and <laughs> say, "Hey, how's your day? Isn't it a great day to be a hockey player?" And all this, and he wouldn't say a word to me. He was so mad at me every day <laughs> I'd do it just to bug him. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's amazing. All right, Kelly. Well, thanks for checking in. Uh, as, as always, we, we have a lot to talk about, and we'll see how this moves forward with the National Hockey League. Glad to hear you're doing well, and uh, let's do this again next Tuesday, buddy. Really appreciate it.
0: Okay, thanks, Reed. Talk to you next week, bud.
1: Uh, that is Kelly Rudy trying to bring some joy to a grumpy teammate while he was in the National Hockey League. 780 496 is how you can call Or text Uh, I'm sure you have an opinion on the NHL's potential restart Um, I mean let me ask let me ask you this I mean I'm assuming you're probably an Oilers fan if you're uh, listening in the Edmonton area maybe not but I'm going to assume the majority of people are Oilers fans do you actually care where the season gets finished I mean because if it's in Edmonton we probably are not going to the games right and i'm including myself in that because i i would think he would be bare bones media if any media at all so i don't anticipate that i'll be in rogers place for quite a while myself and you know if if there's no fans or limited fans odds are that that you got guys and gals Aren't going to be able to go either. So, so does it, I mean, would you be happy if Edmonton got it? Would you think, well, that's a feather in our cap, good for the Oilers, good for the city? Or are you just thinking, like, let's just finish it and if we can only watch on TV, it doesn't matter where they are? I'm curious how you feel about that. 7804960063. We'll take a quick break. All right, 7804960063, Dewey writing in from lloyd minster where i used to live he says i really don't care if the nhl season starts or if it ends summer is not about hockey summer is about major league baseball and the uh, canadian football league Uh, vic says to me it doesn't matter where they play but it would be great to see roger's place used for every game played and we have glenn on the line as well glenn thanks a lot for calling you're on with reed go ahead
2: thanks reed Uh, Just wondering if you've got any comments um, regarding uh, Dave Campbell's uh, discussion
0: this morning on the 6 o'clock news that no, I repeat, no Canadian cities would be considered as hubs
2: hubs for the NHL and that it's already been decided that uh, Las Vegas and Columbus will be the cities involved.
1: Dave said that. It doesn't sound like something Dave would say. Well, I think Dave knows knows the news that's going on there about Edmonton and Vancouver and other
2: places. Well, you might want to uh, uh, do the really, uh you know, the video recap uh, of this morning's uh, uh, sports. Thank you.
1: Okay. Well, I wasn't up at six a.m. First of all. <laughs> Second of all. I'm not even going to respond to that. alright nine six zero zero six three. Cowtown Bob says, uh, hi, Reid. I was surprised that you didn't start your show with She Works Hard for the Money to commemorate the death of Donna Summer in 2012. Oh, wow, Cowtown Bob. Quite the reference. If Edmonton turns out to be a hub city, will it hurt or help the Oilers' chances of winning the Stanley Cup? I can see the situation of quarantine together in a strange city galvanizing a team to win it all. I think the situation will hinder the Oilers' chances to win as they will feel the pressure of being the home team. Uh, Jared writes in a little bit of a different topic. He says, Reed, over the last couple months, I've heard many people say the 87 Oilers were the greatest team ever. I was very skeptical that they were better than the 85 Oilers. I went back, watched all the games from the 85 and 87 Cup Finals. Wasn't even close. The 85 team was better uh, in 85, the Flyers were basically hanging on the whole series, and the Oilers hammered them 8-3 in Game 5. The only reason the series was close, because of goaltending. The series was a continuation of the final three routes against the Islanders in 84. Uh, the Oilers 80, uh, He says the Oilers in 85 were a better skating team than uh, the 87 team. In 87, the Oilers had a much more defensive posture and lacked the same invincible confidence that they had. In uh, 85, the 86 loss to Calgary changed the way they played and uh, hurt their confidence. Okay, coming back. All right, we were talking a bit there about Alice Hemsky, who announced his retirement on Friday. I read you the uh, quote provided. By Craig McTavish saying how uh, Hemsky often stepped up in big games. Now Hemsky was on orders now with Bob Stauffer earlier today, and Bob read Alish that MACT quote.
2: Yeah, that's a great feeling. You know, T was my first coach for a long time. I learned so much from him on the ice and especially off the ice too. And you know, he always been honest to me, straight up. You know, we had you know ups and downs sometimes, but that's. You know, but he was always honest to me and, you know, he helped me so much in my career. So, you know, it, it's really nice from him. Uh, were you kind of right. Like, you know, <laughs> he was what? He's kind of right? He's kind of right, you know, like, what, I was really excited to play. I loved the game, but when the games were on the line, that, that was when I was the most excited, you know, to play. <laughs> All right.
1: Good interview with Hemsky earlier today. Check out the Oilers Now podcast. They had them around around a quarter afternoon. Uh, Ice Castles Brad says, so can I shave my COVID-19 playoff beard yet? I stopped shaving when they announced this season was going on pause and can finally ditch this horrible beard when they announce it's coming back. (laughs) Well, they haven't announced it's coming back. They're working hard to get the NHL to come back. If you missed the news earlier, Mayor Don Iveson writing a letter of support to NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman for the Oilers in Edmonton, looking for Rogers Place to be a hub arena four games if and when the NHL can resume the season I still think we're a, a few weeks away from that actually happening but clearly the NHL has kept planning for that all along I am pleased to, uh, well quick story here the last time I interviewed this young man I was doing my show live from a trailer we had set up in on Jasper Avenue in the middle of the uh, 2018 Grey Cup Festival and I was interviewing Mookie Mitchell and all of a sudden there was a gentleman uh, rapping on the window of the trailer, waving at Mookie and Mookie kind of waves back. And then this gentleman kept like rapping on the window and Mookie kind of smiled and waved back. And I thought, OK, this is cool. This guy wants to you know, interact with Mookie, but we are trying to do a radio interview. So I might have to ask this gentleman if he can maybe move along. And then I look closer and it was Damon Allen so I waved Damon in and he uh, sat down with Mookie and I and I got to listen to them tell stories and give each other a hard time for 10 or 15 minutes so we welcome Damon Allen back to the show now Damon you're on with Reed how are you doing I'm
2: doing good how are you guys doing
1: I remember good did you
2: <laughs> did you have fun
1: in Edmonton that week
2: I always have a great time in Edmonton because of uh, it was a team that was that first set my uh, career <laughs> on schedule and you know maybe the player that i was i actually eventually left even though i wanted to stay <laughs> but uh yeah, absolutely i have a a, a great heart for uh, the city of edmonton because they prepare they prepared me in a in a many many different ways Damon, let people know
1: uh, where you are and how you and your family are doing obviously a strange time and we're all trying to stay safe and healthy
2: uh, my family is doing very well um Majority of my family is in the States, uh, so everyone's healthy, and so we're very thankful there. I'm in Toronto, uh, where I retired uh, after my plan days, so I'm in Toronto, and I'm healthy, doing well. Um, no worries. But, yeah, it's uh, very interesting times, uh, but I think in a lot of ways it just it depends on how you look at it, and sometimes, you know, you have to look within and realize that the the most fundamental aspects of life is your family your health and wellness and all those things and it, 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 it's in a way uh, making us get back to the basics
1: well and I gotta tell you Damon from a purely uh, selfish radio perspective just to give you my own perspective for a minute and and you know Dave Campbell nobody right. has said no to an interview like last week, Dave and I were like, why don't we get Damon Allen on the show? And Dave's like, okay, I'll <laughs> ask him. And now you're on the show. Like Everybody's really cool about just coming on and making time to, uh, to come on this show and other ones. So that's
2: pretty cool. Well, everybody's trying to be creative. And, uh, and, and I think the most important thing is that we still have to communicate and, and, and do it in a variety of different ways. Some people are using Instagram. Some people are, you know, the radio stations. So there's many ways to communicate. Um, to see how everyone's doing at the same time, uh, there's still unique stories that are out there, very interesting people that are out there, and I'm pretty sure that you guys are constantly um, diving in because sports is such a huge uh, part of life, and the fact that it's not being played, everyone's trying to figure out like, when it's going to start.
1: Well, and I and I, want, I want to ask you about that. But first, I, I just want to go back to something you you said in the first uh, your first answer that, you know, you loved playing in Edmonton and you you didn't want to leave, which happened to you twice in your career, and that, that Damon right? to me to me that's one of the most interesting things about your career. You were. One of the, well, I mean, you are one of the greatest players that the league has ever had. You, you played for over two decades and you were good right up until your final season. But yet, especially early in your career, you change teams every two or three years, which you think shouldn't happen with a really good player. So, what's well, your recollection of how come that kept happening?
2: I don't think it's every two years, but uh, <laughs> don't forget, I was in Evergreen for my first four seasons, uh, four year contract, and Uh, that last year I got hurt. But I think in the same time, when you have, you know, quality backup quarterbacks that are playing, I think in a sense uh, they they use that uh, to their advantage and show that, you know, when you're a player and you believe in your value, you know, they try to use their other talented quarterbacks, you know, as a negotiation piece. And so, you know, it's unfortunately that Edmonton didn't realize that the the, the long-term potential that I also had, along with having success early in my career, and so I, I think, in a sense, you know, I was kind of lowball in, in a sense to to uh, to sign a contract, which you know, for me, I felt my value was greater, and so that was the the case that that happened in the first time. I would have never went to Ottawa if if you know if Edmonton would have just realized that. No, we we have a very talented quarterback and, and and a potential guy that can play a long time in this league and also to win a lot of great cups.
1: Yeah, well, you're right. And you, I, I did round off a little. bit. Four years with the Eskimos, three with Ottawa. <laughs> Uh just the one with Hamilton, two back in Edmonton, one one year in the States, and then you had long runs with both BC and uh and Toronto. So uh yeah, yeah. I, I rounded off a little bit there for early yeah. in your yeah. career. So yeah, thanks. You made, for...
2: it, you made it sound like you know, <laughs> I, you know, I could stay on the team right now, but <laughs> <wasn't
1: the> case. <laughs> No, you definitely were good enough to be on uh to, to be on any team for sure. That ninety-three uh Grey Cup team, you know, a lot of people fondly remember that one. Uh, you know, Calgary was, was such a powerhouse and, uh, and you guys won on the road. And uh, was it the Sally Rand you had going with Sandusky? Was he the, the main guy catching those that year?
2: Well, the Sally Rand was a, uh, what, they, what they call Sally Rand is called the naked boot. And so a lot of times it was, I had the option to hand off or actually keep it. And so I think it was fairly uh, new to the league. In order to uh, protect the quarterback to get outside, you know, and I didn't really need blockers, and so that's why it was so difficult to deal with, with for that full year. And I think even that year, I think I led the um, the Western Division in rushing, <laughs> and I was at the quarterback position. But yes, there was a um, you know a wonderful you know transition. I just came back to Edmonton, and eventually we. You know, went on and won the Great Cup, but that was also the year that I was also playing baseball as well. So, <laughs> so it was kind of unique uh, uh, experience
1: during that time. Yeah, what well, well, what's that story again? I don't know if we've ever got into that. Well, what, how did you divide that up? What happened that year?
2: Well, I think uh, it all started when I was with the Hamilton, and then I had to okay the trade. So when I uh, to go back to Edmonton, and so. I made the deal to okay the trade because I also knew I had a a baseball tryout with the Pittsburgh uh, Steelers. And so once I okayed the deal to come back to Edmonton and play, I knew um, that I was going to drive through Pittsburgh, uh, pitch for them, um, and then go on into Edmonton. Well, the great thing is I I pitched very good that day. So the the Pirates signed me that day. And then I went on to Edmonton and told them that I'm... um, I'm going to play baseball after the season. And so that's how that all came about. And so we it ended up happening. is We went, we won the Great Cup, and then I went to spring training with the Pittsburgh Pirates in 94, the early in 94.
1: And, and how, how, what, because you were back with the Eskimos in 94, right? So how long did that's you stay right. with so the I Pirates? I playing
2: baseball in spring training for about three months down there. Oh, wow. Well, how, how, how do you compare the cultures of the two sports? Are they different? They're a little different because I was a middle reliever spot starter. Uh, and when I started spring training, you know, I was pitching every five days. And so, I mean, I went, I did very good down there. But I think when it all came down to it, they weren't willing to invest uh, the money because I was also willing to take a year off and really pursue it Um and that was around the same time Michael Jordan was playing with the Chicago White Sox. And so I had the opportunity to play against him and, pit and strike him out. Um, but that was, you know, the, the unique times because I, I've always been a baseball player throughout my whole life since I was seven. I played in college. I was drafted by the Detroit Tigers in 84. And so when I chose football, you know, in the back of my mind, you know, I realized I never did experience what it's like to go to training camp. So I went on a tryout. Uh, in '93, uh, with the Pittsburgh Pirates, and I, they signed me that day.
1: Okay, when you struck out Jordan, do you remember what pitch it was? Because I've been watching the Last Dance, and he had that hitting streak to start his season. And then they they said in the documentary that then players started throwing or pitchers started throwing him breaking balls, and then he wasn't hitting so well.
2: Well, I think I got him early in spring training. So that was during the season they were playing, right? So in spring training, when he was first starting, you know. Uh, he was just really getting back into baseball. But, yes, I mean, there's a point that when you're a good athlete, you'll be able to adapt and, and adjust. And so I didn't pitch against him one at a time. He was uh, has adjusted to the sport uh, and feel more comfortable. I, I got him early in spring training. So I, I threw him, uh, you know, three fastballs, moving it from inside out and struck him out.
1: Damon Allen joining us there on Inside Sports. Uh, some uh, memories of playing uh, baseball while he was uh, still playing for the Eskimos in 93 and 94 as well. Uh, Damon, we, you, always, you still have so many fans here and I'm getting some texts in uh, to you to our text line. I'll read this question from Brian. He says, hey, Reed, can you ask Damon his opinion of the CFL expansion to the United States?
2: Well, I think uh, the expansion was really good, but I think the the downfall in that expansion, because if you understand, that was the first year, one of the years that the, like the league wasn't in a, any financial situation because the money they were getting from the U.S. teams and, and um, I guess the uh, initial fee, uh, <laughs> the buy-in fee to the league. Uh, but I think the, the biggest challenge that we had once we got down there was also uh, scheduling, uh, American football, the time we would play. And then the same time, the field conditions, uh, we had great ownership. Uh, I thought it was a really good idea, but, um, you know, for it to work, you know, it's like, almost like the NFL needs to change widen in their field. So the field never accommodated, uh, our game. And so in Memphis, it was very difficult to, uh, put points on the board, uh, or play on American field, trying to play uh, CFL rules, but I I really did enjoy the uh, um, the league and going into the states uh, because one of the things that uh, there was no issue in and they were, we were making American money, so it was really good.
1: <laughs> yeah, the exchange rate was was finally in your favor. Yeah, that's absolutely. a good. That's, that's a good point, uh, David. Look, we, we we obviously you know you you've stayed in Canada and you know the league as well as anybody. So we should touch on some current storylines. Last week, the last week there was a member of parliament who said that he would be alarmed if any bailout money or financial aid to the Canadian Football League. Went to American players or American players who lived in the United States in the off season. Um, that didn't sit well <laughs> with, with a lot of players. And, and as an American who has made Canada his his home, uh, you know, I'm just wondering what you think when you hear a politician say something like that.
2: Well, it, it just shows that his uh, lack of history and lack of understanding. Because if it was, if it had to go to court, I mean, it, it would they would lose. That battle, if they had to go to court and try to, you know, defend his uh, statement, but you know, you can see that uh, it's unfortunately that there was no other politician that actually uh, responded in such a way because that also lets me know that he don't understand the importance of the CFL and um, and what it embodies for the country, and so in that sense, um, yeah, when you know, guys pay taxes, uh, pay into the pension. Uh, you know, make the game entertainment-wise the way it is and all those different things. And regardless of where you live, it doesn't matter. The fact that you you should be eligible for that kind of uh, situation, knowing that uh, this is a crisis that's totally different than any other crisis that we've ever been involved in in such a way where, like, no one's working. Um, and so I think in that sense that... Um, you know, you really don't have to comment on such uh, an issue like that because it's not like an outcry in uh, the variety of a, a lot of politicians are talking about. It, it was just really one who lacks the understanding and uh, uh, and the history of the CFL and what the American players have have contributed to making the game the way it is. And so. And I How, think he was really responding to the Americans that are living in the states, right? More so that you know Canadians or American players that live in, in Canada. I think he was responding of giving money to people that are living in the states, but that's where their work employment is as well. So it doesn't matter where you live, uh,
1: Damon. You know, as an ex-player, and you know, you you know what it was like to be part of a team, and and a lot of guys, you know, they're not becoming millionaires playing pro football. They're doing it because they love their games. There's Canadian guys playing. Some of them get to play in their hometowns, all that kind of stuff. How, like, would you be concerned about the future of the league if there was a shortened season or no season at all? How are you looking at those possibilities?
2: It's very it's very interesting, especially when you look at, uh, and I can only compare it to, like, the National Football League. I mean, the biggest difference in National Football League is that it's TV Monday. So when you have... Uh, a huge amount of TV money where you know every team is getting $300 million. it's easy to pay your salaries. But when you're talking about the CFL where um, attendance is such a vital part in a, a team that's able to pay their bills and all those things, it's a totally different uh, situation. And so in that sense, I can see where uh, if they do get in a situation like that, why we were asking for government uh, funding for that situation. Um, because the CFL relies so much on attendance, and then the fact that we don't sell a lot of merchandise, so it really uh, can affect uh, teams across the league. You know, teams that may be you know per- very good situation, but it will still affect them this year if we play with no fans. And so that's an that's an aspect that we have to be able to look at and see how. The players will be able to adapt if they start the season with no fans, because we've done it in high school, we've done it in university. We have scrimmages among ourselves. Uh, we play against other teams, scrimmages, and so we're used to like having no fans. But will it be difficult? It will be new, but that, that's something that every sport and every league will be able to will have to experience, because this is something like totally different. I mean, it, it's very possible. It's like you're working, but you won't, you can't go into the office now.
1: All right, I got one more for you uh, from Jerry, who says, Reed, can you ask Damon if he has any interest in getting into coaching or management with the CFL team?
2: Uh, Yes, I have shown interest over the last year and a half. Um, It's Unfortunately, I don't know if they believe that I've been away from the game so long (laughs) (laughs) or that I don't have the ability to lead, coach, in those those aspects. Uh, But, yes, I do have uh, coaching uh, aspirations. I always felt that, uh, you know, when my time is will come, it will come. Uh, the main thing for me is since I've been away from the game, I stay on top of the game in every aspect on the defense side or in the, in the offense side. So the fact that I've been, uh, have played quarterback, I'm a big pitcher guy. So I, I have a big pitcher understanding of the game. Uh, in the same time, I, I, I would, I I would believe I would have the ability to uh, help the position quarterback out and how to play the game in details. And so in that sense, um, you know, a lot of times you just wasn't looking for an opportunity to be brought in to see what you know instead of not giving me an interview at all. So I think in that sense that's unfortunate uh, this year that even though my name was out there, I didn't receive not one interview to see if if I'm capable or if I know. And you can't really just based on well, he hasn't played in ten years. You know he's behind the time. But bring me in, see what I can, what I know, and what I can do, and you go from there. But uh, but that's not going to deter me, you know. So I just keep on uh, pressing away, keep learning, keep uh, staying on top of it. Somebody will give me an opportunity. Well, maybe
1: they don't want to hire you as a coach, Damon, because maybe they, they think you can still play. I mean, you played into your 40s, so why not into your 50s, right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: the, 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 well, that means that it would say, once you come in and work out. But see, that's so <laughs> different. They're not asking <laughs> me to work out, <laughs> and I'm not getting an <laughs> interview as well. So, But I can say that's never going to stop me. Um, you know, I always keep my mind on the things I want to do and pursue. And for me, it's, uh, I will still be confident enough that I know I can coach um, and I know I can communicate and I I know the game uh, very well um, not only because I played it because I I put a lot of time and effort in studying it and and looking at the nuances of the game now and so at the end of the day, you know, you're still seeing the same coverages uh, (laughs) there might be some unique uh, components to it but you're still playing cover one, you're playing cover three playing zone and you still got four-man rush. Uh, the the linebacker play might be a little bit better athletes. But other than that, I mean, it hasn't changed. Before I came to the game, uh, you're seeing the same coverages. After I finished playing, I'm, I'm still seeing the same coverages. So in that sense, uh, the game hasn't uh, evolved or changed that much. They're probably doing more things on offense uh, based on the rules and the motioning than anything else.
1: Damon, it's great to catch up with you. Thanks for chiming in tonight. I hope we can do this again. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Stay safe, man, and all the best to your family.
2: Absolutely. And I hope everyone else stays safe out there and uh we we still there's still time for us to uh prepare for training camp uh because not only did you know the their plan and having training camp now in May, Back when I was playing, we had it in June and we started the season in July. So there's still the ability to uh, have the season uh, go forward.
1: Thanks, Damon. That is Damon Allen checking in tonight inside sports on 630 Ched, one of the greats all-time in the uh, Canadian Football League. Man, you heard it there, very passionate, definitely wants to uh, get into coaching in the Canadian Football League. Also, Kelly Rudy was on the show. Get the latest from Don Iverson, Premier Kenny, from the Oilers Entertainment Group on Edmonton's bid to be a hub city on 630 com or globalnews.ca. I'll talk to you tomorrow at 7.